Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twyla After Show. We've got a short staff here. Uh, Carl Wiggers is on my left, co-producer of the show. Casual Monday. Casual casual Monday for you, maybe. <laughs> and uh, Avery Davidson, of course, with us. Kristen Oaks didn't come down today, did she? No, she said that she was on assignment, whatever that's supposed to mean. You said yeah. we were short staff. He's just as tall as ever. Yeah, uh, it's true. Yeah. I, I'm the short staff, really. <laughs> uh, we've got a pretty interesting show. It's always interesting when we have Jennifer Finley come on and do a Field to Feast. And, of course, uh, it is. We'll get to that in a bit. Of, she couldn't join us today. She's busy with the election. Imagine that. Yeah, if you're getting close for, to Election uh, Day, it gets a little tough when you work for an elected official. Yeah, especially there, uh, Dr. Mike Strain. They're, they're pretty busy coming up here ahead of Saturday's election. But first up, we're going to talk about my story because, well, I'm running this thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have the microphone, right? right. It sounds like about right. A little guy, big ego. The (laughs) Napoleon (laughs) complex here. Uh, we I went to Cora, Texas, and talked to Charlie Charlie Shudmack, who is the COO of Cora, Texas, and uh, great guy. He just let me have run of the place and and i mean most of those guys who manage those places are, are all too happy to show you what goes on but i mean it was like i want to go over here okay and he yeah. took me over there the most the 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 coolest thing by far was the sugar warehouse because they were it they just started the season so it wasn't very full and um uh, so it was coming in on one end, and the loaders were having to go from one end of the warehouse to the other to to load it up. And as soon as they dump it, that thing would shoot these, you know, this fountain of sugar up way high. Now I said, "Cool, it's it, it, it was it's <laughs> on the truth uh, because and it's interesting. The sugar is coming out of the factory, and it heats up the entire warehouse. Mm-hmm. It was about 150 degrees in oh, some parts. Wow, that's warm." It's yeah, pretty, it's pretty. It warm. was pretty, pretty warm. Quick question. Cor- yeah. You're saying Cora, Texas? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Is uh-huh. it in Texas? No. No. It is in Iberville Explain Parish. Explain this for me. I, I think it is a Texas-owned business that has come in and bought that. You know, the sugarcane industry went through massive reduction starting in the late 80s mm-hmm. into the 90s and, and really into yeah, the early 2000s, 2000s yeah. and where they just lost mill after mill after mill. When I started uh, 23 years ago, I think there were 50 mills, and I think we're down now to 17. We're down to 11. We have 11, 11. mills in the state right now. It's like right. the numbers for dairies. Right. That, so I've been confused all week right. as you've been telling about the story. You've been jazzed about the story, yeah. and I, I understand why because you've the reasons I'm sure you'll tell us about in a second. But every time you say Cora, Texas, I'm like, you were not gone that long. You didn't <laughs> drive all the way across the state. No, I drove all the way across the river. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what and, I was thinking. Uh, uh, yeah. I, you know, I lived in Sugarland, Texas, west of Houston. And that used to be a big, big sugar producing area and which is no longer the mm-hmm. case at all uh, all that stuff's gone so is this a company that moved over from texas into I, louisiana maybe I, I need to do my research on that i'll tell you what I'm i'll sorry do my to, research sorry on that on and, and get you back i just you know i looked it up, 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 up i looked it up and went there and, yeah uh, no no not even that you called up sam Irwin over the american sugar cane sure. league and said hey where can i go well no i did have to look it up on the map after that oh so, you did yeah to navigate there sam hooked uh, you up though tell me about tell me about who you, what farmer you talked to uh this guy, Patrick Frischholz, he is very interesting in that he has zero ag background. Hmm. He started out in, he's from New Orleans, like myself, and he got his Juris Doctorate and went into law practice and was a district attorney for a year and a half before he decided he didn't want to do that anymore. 
And huh. he went to work for a man by the name of John Gay, who is a seventh-generation sugarcane farmer. And he married his daughter. Ah. And for the past 10 years, he has been a sugarcane farmer there and loves every second of it. That's, That's really awesome. neat. I mean, and he's, you know, you'll see here in the interview, very well-spoken, very intelligent. I mean, like you would expect, you know, a litigator to be. And yet, I mean, made this very wise decision in my book, maybe not financially, but, but you know, a very wise decision to live the lifestyle that he wanted to live, where he's outside all the time and beautiful skies and that, you know, ice cream country that is West Baton Rouge slash Iberville, you know, all mm-hmm. the way down there around Plaquemines, Louisiana, and uh, just enjoying living life. And I, you know, I agreed with him standing outside and that those clear skies and it was a little warm, but, you know, it, it was fine. You live in Louisiana. He should be used to that, I'm sure. I, yeah. I, I, he is, and, and I am, and, and so it was just uh, – I could I could really tell. I mean well, – And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize. And I hope that they do realize as they watch Twilight, as they watch our shows, as they see all the farmers we interview, that the farmers and ranchers of today are not people who just get outside, get into a tractor, and do work the earth – they're businessmen. They have to have a lot of business sense. They have to ha- understand the law. They have to understand the legislative process. Leslie Stalls did a, a story on 60 Minutes last night pointing out how Lando Lakes, a farmer cooperative, is turning into more of a technology company uh-huh. than it is a food company. So there's a lot of technology. I mean, the self-driving cars are just starting to come around. We've had self-driving tractors for years. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the interesting facts about this also was that, speaking of cooperatives, they run a cooperative trucking business, mm. Tacora, and he's part of that. So it's all, you know, it's all contracted out. So that's how they've mitigated some of their labor issues, is that the farmers don't deal with it directly. They all just participate in this pool of uh, trucking. And so uh, it really helps, and they've really got it. it. It seemed like a very efficient system. There were no, there was no dearth of trucks coming to Patrick's place. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of, a lot of circuit farmers and mills especially are kind of are moving that direction maybe some there's some also that are getting into harvesting Mm co-ops that mills are owning and man like providing the manpower for these you know harvesting teams to go out to these younger or uh farms that are maybe just now getting into Mm sugarcane and it's pretty neat seeing how they're you know like you said mitigating or but working around you know the difficult issue of labor. Patrick's a, a young farmer, too, and I, I really appreciated that about him. I mean, I'm 45, so a man in his early 30s, you know, is, is young to me. And now, and but I, I think it really does offer, I go back to that movie Office Space. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember at the end of that movie, the guy was in computer technology working in a cubicle farm. And I mean, there's a lot of funny stuff to it, but the, there was kind of a serious point in there where he goes into construction because every day he got to work with his hands. He felt like he was making something, a product at the end of the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Patrick kind of echoed some of that sentiment that he could see. He didn't know if he was making a difference as a litigator, but he was definitely producing something tangible at the end of the day as that big mountain of sugar you see in my story uh, testifies to you. At any point, did he ask for his red swing line stapler? No, my stapler. I, I need my stapler. No, he didn't. He didn't at all. And uh, we didn't reference that, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, w- it was a good good story. Curveball, real quick. But what you're talking about, I've been editing another podcast, the Louisiana Farm Life podcast that we're that we produce also. Mm-hmm. Um, in the studio, I did an interview with Galen Iverstein, and 
it, one of the things that was so interesting to me was he's a first generation farmer. Right. He's young. He's in his thirties, and that was you talked about making something, producing something with his hands. That's what Galen said. He said whenever I was in college, I wasn't sure exactly what. I wanted to do, he said, but I knew I wanted to produce something. And he said, and agriculture was a great way to do that because of, as we all know, the many challenges that face, you know, agriculture or farmers every day, but be it weather or something going wrong. I mean, that's just, he's, he likes the different, the changing challenge of it. And it was just neat. But hearing you talk about wanting to be out in the, in the sun and the elements mm-hmm. and producing stuff, that's what one of the things that Galen talked about. And that actually... By the time this podcast is live, that podcast will also be live, so you can go check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes, but I'm really excited about it. It's probably one of my one of my favorites to date, but I mean, I think every every one I'm, I say that same yeah. thing about like <laughs> this is my favorite one yet. This is my favorite one yet. But well, we're going to go cool. do a, a farm life with Patrick, I think, awesome. and then you can come with me. Whoever wants to come with me, we can and, and talk to him about it because I think you'll hear a very similar story. You hear that, listeners? If you want to go with Neil Malasa to interview Patrick, you can call Bring him up on. right now. Bring it on eight six seven five three zero nine. That's his number. <laughs> Ask for <Don't>. Jenny. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. 4-H week is this week. This week. And one of their big things that they're doing is drone training. And and it's I know this is uh, an uh, effort near and dear to your heart, Carl, and, which it. is mine too. But uh, you can see that they're picking up on the fact that this is becoming an indispensable farm tool. It was really neat. It was 5th through 8th graders in Baker, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Baker, Louisiana – I mean, is just north of Baton Rouge. It's not. I, mean, I don't know anybody. Anybody that comes from there, Mike right. Dana, Avery <laughs> Davidson. You've lived there. I lived there for six years. Yep. Um, but it's not. It's not surrounded by farm fields like where I come from. But they are talking agriculture. Their 4-H is thriving in that that school that I was in, and they're using technology. And this is a quote, something along the lines of, "We're using technology to get people interested in agriculture." Mm-hmm. And I was just like. Yes, that's awesome because I love my drone. It's one of my favorite cameras. I tell people all the time it's my favorite camera to shoot with. But they're talking about drones and using them for imaging, mm-hmm. using them for surveying, and all these different you know things. Uh, I guess are uses for them in agriculture, but also just in like you know there's there's so many businesses that are coming from that, and it's just, it was neat seeing kind of the kids and today actually it's not it's not just a 4-h week thing it timed out well this time Mm -hmm. i learned this once i went there today that it's a monthly class that they go the 4-h east baton rouge parish 4-h agent and they're teamed up with a company here in baton rouge going and teaching kind of doing some career development type stuff showing these kids hey i mean they're fifth through eighth graders but they're saying hey Here's something that you can learn, a trick, a trade that you can learn, take with you into high school, into mm-hmm. college. And if, you, if you're into it, great, go for it. And today, the, the lesson was actually putting their hands on the controls and flying a drone. Oh, wow. So that was kind of neat. I had my drone there, and they were, they were like, oh, that's cool. Usually, fifth graders are going to be like, oh, my gosh, let me see it. They had their own drone to fly, so they were like, <laughs> they were a little bit less interested in mine. Was their cool, theirs cooler than yours? Be honest. It's okay. They're not as cool as mine. Okay. <laughs> but, but they were neat. They were a lot more affordable. They're smaller, so they're a little bit easier on right. the budget. Mm-hmm. But they're they're styrofoam. The biggest Oh really? Like the the most like most of it is styrofoam wings that have I mean the props are probably 
three inches diameter. Okay. So or not diameter, but like the the spin. I don't know what you'd mm-hmm. call that, but that's it's only diameter. a few inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you learned well in okay. in, in geometry. Well, I wasn't sure. I didn't want somebody to think I had three inch thick wings. No. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, they're really tiny, but and so they would fight with wind, and they don't have the cameras that ours do on it. But for them learning the mechanics of it mm-hmm. and the like, the value in it, it's it was it served the purpose. But it was it was neat, and seeing those kids kind of light up whenever they got to actually like lift it up off the ground and take it somewhere uh-huh. it's pretty neat yeah I, I was i was very impressed i i know i would have been all over it as a kid i mean i, I oh practically am now you know <laughs> it's still the same kind of you know toy like feeling every time you control it and let me tell you something every shoot i go out on it never fails if i bring that drone out a farmer says hey how much is that and let me mm-hmm. see that and, i could you use know that. They, i could yeah yeah and it's it's been, i mean right now i'm thinking my story on sugarcane wind comes through you know, the cane around that you see may be standing up, but there may be severe lodging. And that drone is perfect to see yep. how much is out there and gives them a good idea of what to do and where it is. And I think a lot of them could could maybe start to alter their harvesting plans based on how much lodging that is, switch out equipment. Maybe there's a, a harvester that's a little better at picking that stuff up so they could get that out in those lodged areas. I mean, the, the uses and applications for drones are endless. The crazy thing, when I was shooting with Ricky Gosselin, I had my drone up and I'm flying over part of his field and there's a yellow spot in the middle. I'm like, Ricky, what, what you got going on there? He said, that's a lightning strike. <laughs> At wow. the spot where lightning struck and it Turned some of the sugarcane brown right I've had, there. I've had my dad call me and be like, hey, are you, are you going to be up this direction? <laughs> so I really need to see. I've got some hog damage. I've got some, you know, flooding. Mm-hmm. And he's like... I need help looking at that, and I'm like, Dad, you got your own drone, but oh, he wants a he wants a professional pilot. Exactly, that's what he's looking for. It was fun today. Also, Craig Gotro was out there as well with the mm-hmm. LSU Ag Center, um, and because 4H is, you know, mm-hmm. administered through the, four, uh, the Ag Center, uh, but Craig was there doing a story as well, and he was like, he introduced me to uh, Fran as. The best drone pilot I've ever met, and I was like, "Oh, Craig, stop!" But but keep going, but keep going. But it was it was really kind. But it was it was nice having uh, Craig there to help. Kind of, you know, he was he was kind of working those kids and getting mm-hmm. them kind of like getting them into it, and which they didn't need much of it, but it was fun. It was a fun shoot. Sounds like fun. Speaking of 4-H, there are a bunch of them out there for the fast food farm this past Friday, October 4th. It was St. James Parish Ag Day, and Denise and Scrap Email have put together what I think is one of the most educational programs in the state as far as agriculture interaction, because that fast food farm gives them 30 stations of hands-on experience about directly where their food comes from. And they called it the fast food farm because originally the whole thing was designed around like, you know, a hamburger. So here's the cow, here's the lettuce, here's et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it's expanded to so much more and so many different types of food and ag experiments that the kids can, can do and, um, there's all kinds of animals they can put their hands on, goats, chickens, geese. There's a turkey out there, cows, of course. And I, I really think it was it, – it, it's just one of the best activities. I think we need it statewide. I mean, it, yeah. it really will help educate those kids uh, on, on exactly where their food comes from. It's coming. I was going to say they should do like a fast food business and franchise out. All right. right. Well, there you go. There, I mean, start a franchise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worked for Burger King. Worked for McDonald's. It, Why it not? It works for everybody else. But there is something like that coming to Louisiana. I don't know. 
Can we oh, talk the, about the Ag in the Classroom? The big yeah, the yeah. little the trailer. They're going to trailer. Is it one or two trailers? I think it's two. Two trailers, but they're going to be going around to a bunch of parishes around the state, and it's a it's a hands on type of a uh, a traveling classroom mm-hmm. essentially that's taking Ag to all these different schools around uh, the state, which it should be neat. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Right. I'm not going to even come close to saying it's the well, same. Sure. But it's it's taking the farm to the schools, which mm-hmm. is, is really cool. But there is something to I'm, I'm interrupting you. There is That's something right. to those kids going to that farm. Mm-hmm. You can see their eyes lighting up, and it, it was just great to see it. Um, it's so powerful. Ken Guidry is uh, the St. James Parish 4-H agent who had a large role in helping create that that fast food farm. He retired this year, but he was out there on Friday, mm-hmm. and he has plans to come back. I was about to say, I'm sure he'll year. be back next year He's, too. He loves it. I mean, you can tell it's 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 a passion project of his, and I can see why. I'm taking this on a full tangent. Mm-hmm. What is it with people who are involved in agriculture who retire and then keep going back to work? I'll, I bring up Jen Monroe. I bring up uh, uh, Henry Bernard. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> I, it, it touches on what we did, what we talked about earlier, which is everything in agriculture, whether you're directly doing it or indirectly like us, we're producing something. Mm-hmm. And that production gives you a sense of fulfillment that you can't get, I don't think, turn cranking out widgets for a faceless company or, or you know, uh, doing computer programs that you never really see the that you're just doing a, you know, a tiny part of in a larger project that, you know, you can't really tell what you did and what somebody else did. And I'm not trying to offend anybody in those other other enterprises. But when I come back and I do a story and I see that story go to air, that's mine. And mm-hmm. I made that. And whatever effects or comments or whatever comes from that, that's a production of me. Of course, the errors are also mine, too. <laughs> you can directly attribute it to me. But at least, at least I know that I'm making progress and I'm doing something. And I think everybody in this room has that same feeling. And I think it doesn't matter what aspect, whether you're an ag in the classroom, whether you're in the legislative like Jim is, or whether you're doing commodity work. It all has a tangible effect that you can measure. And there's a certain passion that goes mm-hmm. with it, too. And I think that's the other thing that you see with a lot of people involved in agriculture. Even if it's not directly on the farm, they're passionate about what they do. They, they get that fulfillment. And it's really hard to take that away. Mm-hmm. They don't want to. They don't. They don't want to go home and sit sit and watch TV all day. And that that's not yeah. that's not in their in their blood after however many years that Ken's been you know going to schools and working with you know all these schools for H programs. Right. Like that's not. He didn't want to sit at the house. Yeah. That's that's the, that's not retirement. Retirement for them is getting to keep doing what they're doing with a little bit more freedom, maybe. Yeah. And you'll hear it in that clip that I mentioned. I asked him about. You know, did he see any effect after all these years? And he says, not only do the kids remember him, but they, when he asks them questions about agriculture, they remember points. And it's all back to that hands-on kind of thing. Kids mm-hmm. remember that sort of thing. It's so much more valuable than than dry rote memorization. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that that's why we need more of there's it. There's a there's a lot to say for experience. And, and absolutely, and an experience, a, a one day experience, may have a lot more impact than what. I'm not an educator. I'm not even going to pretend to, but I would just have to believe that one day of the fast food farm would be much more valuable than, you know, an entire six weeks or nine weeks of, you know, book work. 
Sure. I'm going to be rude and, and correct you. You are an educator. I am. Every time we go out and we tell a story for Twyla, we're educating people about something that maybe even we just learned about. That was That's one of the great things about journalism and farm journalism. We're mm-hmm. constantly being teachers, and we're constantly learning. That was the case last week with my sweet potatoes. <laughs> I really feel like you know what we do every day is more journalism in the sense of that. I mean, it's not representing Farm Bureau in as much as it is just representing the truth about what goes on in farming every single day, and we're reporting on it. And every person eats, so mm-hmm. yeah, well, they, they, they need do. to know where they they. <laughs> they come from well every person has to eat yeah. and so their food and and fiber and the things that uh you know that they depend on is comes from agriculture and that's why it's so important you know what we do every day we're going to finish out i wish we could have jennifer finley in she's her field feast this week is on the new orleans fish house she's again with the chef tory mcvale who's just i mean he seems built for television work he, he is. does such a great yeah, job he's always great commander's palace mm-hmm. i mean chef tory just you want to talk about a professional, and you—he—he's on before you even turn the camera on. That's the I, great. I've thing. yet to meet him in person, but mm-hmm. I feel like I know him just because he—he <laughs> he just gives so much of himself he's, on camera, and he's just—you know—very real, very—you know, mm-hmm. um, down to earth, down to earth. But he's also—he's just very transparent seeming, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. like, hey, this is who I am. What you see is what you get, kind of guy. He's even more generous in person. Oh, I mean, man. if anything, I like. That time we uh, – uh, his main concern after we went to – what was it? Uh, Sobu. His main concern was making sure we ate that tomahawk cut steak. He wanted us to eat the whole crew that was there to take to taste it. And so before 9 in the morning, we were having steak and wine. It was a pretty, pretty good day, <laughs> but he's just overly – he made that steak – uh, Jennifer didn't ask him to. He just did it on his own. That's cool. And uh, so it's it's a great thing. And, of course, October is National Seafood Month. Mm-hmm. So it's great that they're going to the fish house. We can celebrate that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're an industry that needs a lot of support right now. Well, they did their job in supporting them this week. They had uh, some grouper and redfish, I believe, mm-hmm. some lump crab meat, Ooh. and some white – I'm trying to get this right – some white shrimp. And some some red some royal red mm-hmm. shrimp is that right? I think I, I got all those speckled. I, I don't yeah. remember. I do remember seeing the uh, the crab emerge from its shell for the they do show crab. Some of that. That was really they cool. go into a lot of that, which is really neat. But they take all that and put it into a gumbo in Chef Tory's house and his kitchen and his mm. oh, beautiful it. kitchen. But it, it's really cool. They're just sitting there at a at a stove like any of us would cook at. And no, no, it is not a stove well, like any of us would cook at. It, we wouldn't cook that well. It's, that's probably true. <laughs> but we can if we follow Chef Tory's directions. They make a roux and everything. It's, it's pretty cool. Yep. Well, speaking of Jennifer Finley, she works for Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, who is on the ballot this weekend. October 12th is voting day here in Louisiana. We're choosing a new governor as well as Commissioner of Agriculture, Department of Insurance, uh, Commissioner of Insurance, and many others. There's some constitutional amendments. Is that there right? Are four constitutional amendments on, on, the on the ballot. You need to do your research for that as well as probably a bevy of local uh, state representatives uh, that need to be, you know, that you 
you need to do your research on. Early voting is still in effect right now. You nope. can go. It's nope. not. Closed. It's nope. clo- it closed when? Uh, Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. Saturday okay. was last early well, voting. You lose. You're not there. I, I no vote for you. No vote for me. Well, yes, I'm going. <laughs> I am definitely going Saturday to go cast my ballot. And uh, uh, some of us still haven't done our research on it completely. I still need to see where I am on the constitutional amendments. And uh, I know Carl has to do our research as well. But we'll uh, we'll get there. I urge you to go do it because it is 100% more effective than talking about it on the Internet. Yes. Uh, if you go to the polls and make your decision, mm-hmm. that's where all the discussion should happen, right mm-hmm. there in the voting booth. And you mentioned research candidates. I mean, we have the incumbent, John Bell Edwards, going up against – Ralph Abraham, our U.S. Fifth, congressman. Yeah, U.S. congressman from the 5th fifth, fifth District, a Republican, and also uh, Eddie Rasponi, Republican, who's just a business owner, made his, made his living off of construction. And there are others on the ballot. So look them up, learn about them, and then go cast your ballot. And uh, If you want to know more about them, you can look up our extended interviews, which are online. Is that right? Find them in the show notes. All right. And uh, we'll, uh, you can find out a lot about their positions, especially on agriculture. Um, I think that does it for us here. Uh, I urge you to go out and vote, even if it's just for a sticker. On behalf of Carl and Avery, thank you all so much for joining us. We will see you next time. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with a friend. You can also support this podcast by completing a short survey on our website at twilatv.org slash podcasts. We would also really appreciate it if you would leave us a review wherever you're listening right now, be that Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. The Twyla After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.